Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to what is our second Christmas show. Ho, ho, ho! <laughs> that would be my brother and co-host, K.J. Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm good. Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> I understand. And folks, if you don't know who I am or who my brother is... I've written a series of books called Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, all of which are available at Amazon in paperback and ebook formats. And you could listen to volumes one through six at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. And now, Kev, come on in here. I'm back. Ah! Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> and I haven't written anything. <laughs> uh, listen. You know, I got to tell you, folks, my brother was out by his uh, house on the shore the other night and sent me over an audio of a bunch of coyotes. Uh, oh. How did that work out, Kev? So it's the weirdest thing. Usually they, we have a lot of coyotes out at the coast. I mean, it's a little scary. I mean, especially scary if you're a cat because um, <laughs> they, they are known to carry some cats away, which is sad, uh-huh. and small dogs. But they don't bother people. But when you see one, they're big. You know, they're not scrawny coyotes like I used to see when I lived in Arizona. These are like German Shepherd size. And normally they howl a lot, which is disheartening when you hear a siren. But I actually just walked out of the house to bring out the garbage. And they were going nuts. Mm. And I was like, oh, let me fire up my phone. And uh, made a little video recording. Maybe I'll post it on the website, Bill. It's like... They're going at it. Yeah, do it. I mean, uh, it's it's pretty interesting if you've never heard them. You know, I saw a uh, a trail cam shot of a uh, coyote uh, dragging a fawn around the neck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it took down a small deer. Uh, hard yeah. to tell in the picture because you couldn't tell how big either one was, but it killed it. Oh, well, they, they take down big deer. By my house. I mean, that's really the only food they have are Uh neighborhood pets because it's an island, you know, connected with a bridge. Right. Like they're not coming across the bridge. And I don't think they're swimming across uh, Snow's Cut, which is the uh, water that that separates us from the mainland. And but there's a lot of deer and uh, you're not allowed to hunt the deer, but the coyote hunt the deer for sure. Well, how do you think the coyote got over, walked over the bridge? I don't know what's going on, but there's a lot of them, but it's federally protected land. Yeah. So you can't hunt for them or the deer. And yeah. uh, 
It's a little bit of a controversy, and honestly, you know, you do hear some gunshots now and then. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure somebody squeezing off a couple of shots at the coyote. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, (laughs) you, you, you can't hunt them, just don't get caught. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure all your neighbors are on board with what you're doing. But they do make a sound, like I've said on some of our broadcasts. Um, I mean, this particular recording, they're a little funky, but not as funky as I've heard them. Sometimes, I mean, it sounds like a woman screaming when you hear these things. Yeah, a very shrill kind of... uh, Uh, freaky, I mean... It doesn't sound like a dog. Like, you know, when people say, are you sure it's not a dog? Oh, yeah, this isn't a dog. Yeah, no, there's nothing like a dog. They're unique in what they do, and uh, who knows? Maybe wild dogs at some point in history did that. Do you think so? Maybe. I don't know. But I'll also say they don't sound like that freight train whistle of uh, uh, Bigfoot when you hear those howls that make you shudder. Different yeah, each, sound. Each one is unique unto itself, you know? Yeah, yeah. Pretty crazy. So, let's dig in. What do we got today? We're for doing a- Christmas tonight, Bill. All Merry right. Christmas, everyone. My favorite <laughs> time of year. And, Bill, I haven't told you what we're going to do, but we're going to do three things. Three things? Three things. Would um, it be like stand on your head, do a jumping jack, and a somersault? No, but feel free to do that as you're playing alone at home. <laughs> I can't with the headphones on. <laughs> oh, okay. We're going to do uh, uh, my reading of the Adapted with Great Liberties. Twas the night before Christmas. <laughs> I know you enjoyed that last oh, yeah. year. It's back. Uh, it's back. And we're going to talk about the origins of the Star of Bethlehem, which I think is pretty cool based on some of the celestial stuff that's going on this year as well. Yeah. And then finally, we're going to follow up with our creepiest Christmas character. Who do you think that is, Bill? Oh. You remember? Uh, yeah. The, it's from uh, our German heritage. Yeah. We were just talking about the Grampus. Grampus. At Grampus. the other day. <laughs> I was actually I was I was on Amazon the other night and I was ready to order you some Krampus um Christmas ornaments. Nice. And they were like they were far too satanic. Like <laughs> really bad stuff to hang oh on. Oh my god, trade. it was just too creepy to have in the house. Like but we'll talk about Krampus. Yeah, and you see uh, before we get to that there's an element to that Krampus thing that is just like, you know, there's something wrong there. Oh, my goodness. When you, <laughs> I'll post the images of the classic, you know, 100-year-old Christmas cards Yeah, on, on, our, on our website, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com, of Krampus. And it's like this black-skinned lizard character with a tongue two feet long and huge goat horns and it's carrying like a santa toy bag and it's putting children in the toy bag nice nice and there's nothing wrong with that right kev i mean that's a nice christmas card (laughs) you gotta be kidding me man that sounds like something you'd see pinned on a wall in a satanist bedroom (laughs) that's well that's what i was gonna order you but you can see why i didn't (laughs) Well, good thing you didn't waste your money because that would have ended up in a trash can. I think you would have burned it. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Burn it, then put it in the and trash can. And maybe put it in a neighbor's trash can. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, All yeah. right, we're going Twas the Night Before Christmas. All right, let it rip. All right, so this is an adaptation of Clement Clark Moore's famous poem of Twas the Night Before Christmas. And I apologize to his family for uh, <laughs> what I'm going to do to this beautiful poem. <laughs> so here uh, yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twas the Night Before Christmas, when all through the house not a creature was stirring. Not even a mouse. The camera was loaded and set up with care in hopes that a large Bigfoot soon would be there. The hikers were nestled all snug in their tents while visions of Sasquatch danced in their heads. And Bill holding a Glock and Kevin a cap had just settled down for a long winter's nap. When out in the camp there arose such a clatter, I sprang from the cot to see what was the matter. Away to the tent flap, I flew like a flash, tore open the zippers and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave luster of midday to the objects aglow. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but a giant sleigh, and eight freaky creatures <laughs> with a large hairy driver, so smelly yet stealth. I knew in a moment it must be St. Squatch. More rapid than eagles, his courses they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Rougarou, now Nessie, now Yeti, and Dogman, on Bigfoot, on Chupacabre, on Mothman, and yowee! <laughs> to the top of the porch, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up on the mountaintop, the coursers they flew, with the sleigh full of toys and St. Squatch too. And then in a twinkling, I heard up top the trampling and crunching of each huge pop. As I drew in my hand and was turning around, into the cabin St. Squatch came with a bound. He was covered all in hair from his head to his foot, and his odor was strong and would stun many a foot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler, just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, all scary and red. His cheeks were coal and his nose like the dead. His huge, <laughs> ugly mouth was drawn up like a bow. And the beard of his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a stick he held tight in his teeth. And the stench... It encircled his head like a wreath. <laughs> he had broad shoulders and was nine feet tall. The cabin shook like jelly when he rolled into it like a ball. He was broad and lean, a right angry old beast. And I froze when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk. 
and laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod, out the cabin he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like a high-powered cruise missile. (laughs) But I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. But it sounded like Chinese or Russian gibberish. (laughs) All I can say is I'm glad I got the Glock. <laughs> uh, 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 so again, Saint, sorry to Clement Seymour's family. Yeah. Thank Saint, you for humoring Saint us. Saint Sasquatch. Saint Sasquatch. Yeah, can you imagine? Who's that one? That's a weird looking saint. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part is. You know, he said all this stuff, but I didn't understand it because it sounded kind of like Chinese or some kind of Russian gibberish. <laughs> hey, what do you think St. Sasquatch would be the patron saint of? Uh, uh, what, did, what did we say last night in the seven uh, learnings of the First Nation? Oh, it First was uh, honesty. Honesty. There you go. Wow, that's freaking... I, I be, still can't get over that honesty. He would be piece. the saint of honesty, Bill. There you go. I mean, have you ever known a Sasquatch to lie? <laughs> Just keeping it real, brother. Just saying. It's <laughs> uh, funny, man. <laughs> I was just like over here chuckling to myself. The <laughs> listeners probably thought somebody was getting sick on the other end of the month. It's Christmas, my favorite time of the year. And Bill, by the way, you got some big snow today, right? Oh. Uh, Jeez, it was, I'm telling you, it was a three Advil morning after I was done. (laughs) I went out there. uh, It didn't look too bad last night when I came home. You know, I was in four wheel, 30 miles an hour all the way. Uh, But when I got up, well, I should say before I went to bed, I had my hand out the back door probably around two o'clock in the morning. And I could feel like uh, sleet or like light rain. Right, And once that rain got in that snow, it turned what would have been a decent ending to what they were forecasting uh, to a beast of a cleanup because I had like two inches of wet stuff below uh, this layer, which amounted to be only like seven inches of snow or something. But with the wet stuff, oh, man, Hmm. you know, it was brutal, you know, and I'm not exactly a kid anymore, you know. Right. It would have been tough for a kid, but I got that big driveway and a cut coming into the back and the back deck. You know, it's 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 quite a chore. So uh, three Advils and a hot bath was the uh, doctor's prescription after I was done. Very good. Very good. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, though, man. The wind was blowing last night like 30 to 50. Mm. And... Uh, when I came out from my break at the hospital, and then when I left, the snow was coming down horizontal. Mm. And, you know, like I, uh, I have to swipe my badge when we leave the hospital to get the gates open. Right. I put the window down, and this stuff was hitting me like sand. <laughs> you close the window, and you had two inches of snow in oh, your trunk? Oh, my God. It was just like stinging me in the side wow. of the face like a sandblaster. Wow. 
Yes, that's pretty. Uh, it was a pretty wild evening overall. Yikes! Yikes! <laughs> but let's continue. Yes. I digress. Yes. So uh, next, we're going to talk about the Star of Bethlehem, mm. and uh, Bill, you know more about this than me. So, so please, please chime in. But you know, the Star of Bethlehem, otherwise known as the Christmas Star, right? Of course. It appears in the nativity story of the Gospel of Matthew, um, where these three wise men from the east, often referred to as Magi, come uh, looking for the uh, he who is born the king of the Jews. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's Jesus, right? Born right. to Joseph and Mary. And, you know, a lot of times, or they're often referred to as the kings or the magi. Um, and a lot of folks believe they're, you know, in that time, they were also probably, likely, astrologists. You know, so they study the stars. And uh, um, what they study isn't really that important. Why they're there is important, right? They, they came not because they saw something interesting in the sky, but because of what they saw that was interesting in the sky somehow made them believe that the king of the Jews was born. And that's why it was in the sky. Yeah, interesting. Uh, there's a number of really interesting things about that. Uh, number one, these people were not Jews. Right. And uh, they were recognizing what was coming there. Now, it's a mysterious thing. Uh, we're not given all the answers, you know. Uh, but it's a mysterious thing how not only did they know uh, based on what they were seeing, but they also came prepared. They came with the gifts, the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh, and exactly what else we really don't know. But they came with gifts fit for a king. Exactly. So it wasn't like they were just going for a ride for a, a week or two on their camels and, you know, they just had their uh, what they would need to survive. Uh, they were going prepared. And I would imagine they were probably dressed for the king's ball, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're saying they weren't going out with the top down to see the Christmas lights in the neighborhood? That's right. That's right. They weren't going down to Smith's Point to see the neon light show. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but it's interesting, Kev. You know, in my new book, uh, which I'm not promoting now, I'm not even going to tell you the title of it, I was talking about the first chapter of Genesis, and that discusses the creation of the world, if you believe that, and I do. And in that first chapter, it said that the moon and the stars and the sun were put into the sky or into the heavens to be used for signs and wonders. So, you know, there is definitely something uh, to the patterns, uh, to the, the... Now, look, I'm not, we're not talking about palm reading here. We're talking about people who were able to discern certain things from looking at the stars, and if you believe these three magi, uh, they nailed it. <laughs> how, exactly. how they came up with, you know, uh, that this uh, king was going to be born and all they had to do was follow the star and it would lead them to him is beyond right. me. Right. right. It's an amazing thing. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of different theories as to what 
you know, uh, from an astronomical standpoint, they might have seen, you know, from the science behind it. And, you know, things like a comet, of course. Uh, Folks talk about a new star that just appeared. You know, that's probably not likely, right? Because stars just take a long time to appear and then take a long time to disappear, you know, based on uh, the, the... the travel of light so far away. Um, But it's interesting. One of the theories is related to planetary conjunction. So meaning that planets get so close together that they form something that's super bright in the sky that wasn't there before. Because now, of course, these two planets that might have been on either side of the sky are very close together. And in the year 1614, right, so a while ago, but not as long ago as when Christ was born, uh, German astronomer Johannes Kepler, famous astronomer, a lot of our folks have probably heard his name, he determined that a series of uh, three conjunctions of the planets Jupiter and Saturn occurred around the year of 7 B.C., so around the year of the birth birth of Christ, you know, you know, when you're talking about him saying this 1614 years later, mm-hmm. right? Yep, and what's yep. super interesting and why I bring it up on our podcast tonight, on our Christmas podcast, is that the conjunction of these planets, Jupiter and Saturn, is going to happen again on December 21st. Yeah. So... Just before you hear this podcast, if you look up into the sky, you will see, and you can see it now a couple of weeks before then in the sky. I was looking at it last night. Um, And, you know, Jupiter and Saturn are very close together, but Mm -hmm. they will be about one degree apart, which is, they say, if you hold up your pinky in the sky, it will be hard to fit your pinky between Jupiter and Saturn. Based on you looking at it. So they'll be like on top of one another. Yep. Yeah, very interesting. You know, and I understand that uh, conjunction being something much brighter than is normally seen in the sky, especially if you really don't know what you're looking at, right? Right. Uh, But uh, something just tells me next to that when it comes to what they were looking at. Could be. Yeah, I just... I have a feeling that something really supernatural had happened then and really got their attention. Now, it could have been that. It could have been that, right? How often would they see a conjunction, a planetary conjunction, if if some of them only happen every 600 or 1,000 well, years? You know, I can tell you, Bill, you know, you and I grew up, like we tell our listeners, looking at the sky and looking at the ground and everything around us. And like when I was out at the coast a few days ago and, um, you know, we were talking about the coyotes, the one night it was so cold and so windy, I was like, I got to walk out on the pier, you know. So I, I walked over with the coyotes howling, walked out to the pier and, you know, Bill, you look at me sometimes when I call you on the pier over the camera right there. Right on and, surf uh, checks. Surf checks, yeah. And I go out on the pier and there is no one out there because it's like 29 degrees and blowing 40. Wow. You know, like I'm feeling like I'm going to get blown off of the pier. And I look out in the sky, in the edge of the sky, 
and I see uh, Jupiter and Saturn like right next to one another, and it's like the weirdest looking thing. Yeah. You know, so so it's definitely even if you're not an astronomer, which I'm not, but I you know when I look around the sky, I can see my ten favorite constellations. I can pick Mars out, Jupiter, Venus, Saturn, and um, and when I looked, I was like, oh, there we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, already getting close together. Yeah, no, it's 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 just an incredible thing, you know, when. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I just think it's cool. So regardless of what happened, take a look up in the sky. You know, um, when you're hearing this podcast, go outside and look out up in the sky, probably low in the horizon. I think it's in the western sky, if I remember correctly. And um, But just Google it and see where it is, wherever you're living, and and take a peek, and you will see something. And they say... Uh, around the 21st, if you take out your telescope and you look at it, you'll be able to see both planets in a single field of view of the telescope. Uh, and Which, that's, that's really unusual. Well, yeah, you'll be able to see the moons of Jupiter just with like a regular home telescope and the rings of Saturn in the same field of view. That's right. Which and I've uh, never seen that before, Bill. No, and uh, but I wasn't around in the 1600s. You were though, right? Because you're older than me. <laughs> yeah, 1600s. But I wanted to make a recommendation to some of our listeners. Uh, if you don't have a telescope, here's what you could do: you cut the two ends out of an old beer can, <laughs> which I'm sure you have, and then take a pair of uh, bifocals and hold them up against one end of the beer can, and you'll be able to see it. I'm sure. Well, I was going to say. You take you take the scope on your thirty odd six. There you go. And aim it up. And if you don't have one, well, geez, you should Buy get one. one. Steal your neighbors. I mean, what's going on? How can you not have a scope? Oh my goodness. Yeah, no, find out what neighbor's getting a scope for Christmas and kick his front door in. <laughs> Grab that Amazon package off the stoop. Give me that package. Hey, come back here. <laughs> I'll give it back. Remember on Seinfeld when Jerry stole that woman's loaf of rye bread? <laughs> <laughs> That's my rye. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, Kev. So what else are we cooking up? All right. Day? Now, on the last chapter tonight of Cryptids in the News and Other Oddities, we are going to go into Central European folklore and talk about Krampus. Uh, yes. This guy is a creep. He How many Krampuses a... are there? <laughs> Krampus <laughs> is a horned figure described as half goat and half demon. Yeah, I think it's all I mean, there's demon. no. I was going to say, I think it's ninety percent demon, and it has goat horns. That's all. That's all. It's just a demon that has horns. Period. There's no, you know? there's no half in this. Yeah. Don't don't besmirch the poor goat by <laughs> by saying he had anything to do with this. You know. But Krampus with a K. Okay. So if you want to look him up, you will not believe the images. And again, I'll put them up on our website. He's usually associated with St. Nicholas, right? Where St. Nicholas is often Santa Claus. But, you know, the St. Nicholas holiday is often celebrated in 
Austria, Bavaria, Germany, places like that on, I think it's the 6th of December, the 6th or 7th of December. And Bill and I talked about it in last year's podcast where our parents of similar heritage, we celebrated it a little bit too in our in our house um, where before, Chris, before Christmas on the night of December 7th, we would often get um, gold foil chocolate coins under the pillow in our bed, and that was from St. Nicholas. So, and it's there's often a lot of chocolate if you're ever over in Europe around the beginning of December and you go into the shopping malls, you'll see them uh, all these different chocolate, milk chocolate that's out, dark chocolate that's out, and that's for uh, the holiday of St. Nicholas. So, everyone yeah. giving each other chocolate. Yeah, get fat. <laughs> yes. And Krampus is kind of the opposite of St. Nicholas. So St. Nicholas is coming to bring gifts to all of the good children. And they believe that Krampus comes to punish the bad children. So you have this classic, you know, uh, um, Central European or European older theory of the good and the bad. You know, if you have good, you have to have the bad. And um, it's very interesting. So some of the images which I will post show that, you know, um, uh, Krampus comes and he has like a bundle of sticks that he uses to hit the children with. Right. So this is all about corporal punishment. And then he also carries (laughs) a large bag like Santa Claus would carry to carry toys. Only it's to put the bad children in to take them away. Great. Nice. (laughs) You're not going to believe I'm going to post a greeting card from the 1900s. And uh, the heading of it in German says greetings from Krampus. And it's got this creature. Uh, stuffing a little boy and a little girl into this uh, large wicker basket backpack. Great. It's lovely. Lovely. <laughs> uh, you know, and what gets me, Kev, too, is you talk about Krampus, you know, punishing the bad children, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how bad could you be to have Krampus come after you? Yeah. But when they do these festivals and stuff over in Europe, they're just helter-skelter going after every little kid in the street and scaring well, the bejesus out it. of them. So they, they call it Krampus Knocked or uh, the Night of Krampus. Right. right. Krampus Knocked. And so, so I got my date a little mixed up. So the Feast of St. Nicholas is celebrated on December 6th. And on the pre- preceding night of December 5th is Krampus Knocked. And this wicked, hairy devil appears on the streets Um, sometimes with St. Nicholas and sometimes on his own. And he's like running down the street, banging on doors, uh, you know, causing chaos. And in these parts of Central Europe, uh, a lot of folks, a lot of folks dress up like this ghoul, right? So, you know, picture again, black furry creature, long pointy tongue, fangs, Big horns, cloven hooves, standing upright like a human, running down the street, banging on doors, screaming and things like that. And that's all part of the Christmas celebration. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's got it wrong over there. You know no what I mean? No doubt about that, man. If you think <laughs> like, oh, you know, Bill and Cav, you're being a little too serious about this. Check out the greeting cards that I post. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Exactly. Uh, uh, you know, 
Well, look, there's no doubt about it. There are people out there that aren't wrapped too tight. And, <laughs> you know, uh, these guys, a lot of these people, this is their celebration. They've really put Christmas aside. They put Christmas and, aside, and it's Krampus night, and they go out and spend their money on these costumes. Right, right. You know, and... Uh, it's 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 wild. Uh, again, I'll put some of the pictures up that are appropriate to put up, and uh, if you want to search on some more, have at it. Yeah. yeah. Why are the pictures that are inappropriate? Uh, yes. Wow. <laughs> boy, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah. Ay, 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 Krampus. So that's a chock fold. Merry Christmas of cryptids and other oddities. Bill. Yeah. Well, it certainly fit the bill, bro. Good job. With, <laughs> good, good job with that. Holy smoke. Now, uh so as not to disappoint. We have something very interesting here. Perhaps one of the creepiest tales uh that you'll hear me t- uh tell. Uh and it was told to me by Butch McCaskey. And from this point forward, you'll be hearing Butch telling his own story. At the time of this event, I was living in Redmond, Washington, and my coworker Paul was living in Seattle. We owned a food service business together, which operated out of Seattle. Paul was born and bred in the state and I was from Texas. During our time working together, I had acquired a quad, being inspired by Paul, who had been an avid quad and trike rider since his youth. He knew a lot of great areas in the region for off-roading, and because of this, he would take excursions into the woods with a couple of our employees whenever the opportunity presented itself. We didn't always obey the rules as far as when or where we could venture out with our quads, and and although I won't go so far as to justify such behavior, I will say that we were never destructive in any way. We loved the outdoors, respected it in every way possible. On this particular weekend, we were heading towards an an area by Mount Rainier, Our plan was to camp for two nights, heading back on Sunday afternoon. We loaded up four quads on Paul's trailer and packed all of our usual gear into the truck. Paul had a crew cab with a lid on the bed, and everything we would need for the weekend was under that lid. We also had a number of five-gallon military fuel cans lashed to the trailer. Off we went on Friday afternoon, with Paul bringing us to a fairly secluded destination, as was his habit. Most of the places that we go to are old logging trails and fire breaks. We like to make sure we go fairly deep in the woods so that nobody will rat us out. After setting up camp, we pulled the quads off the trailer and went for a little exploratory stint. Rainier is surrounded by nice forests. It can be somewhat dense in some areas, but it is considerably more open in others. Creating a perfect combination for rat racing through the trails and timber on the quads. 
We were gone for about 90 minutes or so before we returned to camp. It was getting late. So we started a fire, and after cooking up some grub and drinking a few brews, we hit the sack. In the morning, Paul was the first up. He was stoking the fire when I came out of the tent. As soon as he saw me, he said, Hey, Butch, check this out. All of the longer pieces of wood were pulled out of the fire when I got up. They were all burnt up on one end and unburnt on the other. It was weird. So I asked him if he was sure that was what happened. He replied, Of course I'm sure. Do you think I'm hallucinating or something? I'm telling you all of these sticks were just like this when I got up, and I left them here so you guys could see them for yourselves. So are you saying that something was pulling sticks out of our fire while we were sleeping? Answer the question yourself, bro. What else could it be? The sticks didn't get out of there by themselves. By this time, the other guys had climbed out of the sack and were all standing around. We were all in agreement that an animal would not want to get that close to a fire. And they certainly would not be willing to claw or bite the ends of burning sticks and drag them around. We all thought that some pranksters must be in the woods with us. But who would bother to traverse through the woods in the middle of the night to do such a thing? They could be shot if they spooked the wrong people. We ate breakfast, broke camp for a day of riding. Once we got back, that night was just like the previous night. We ate, drank, bullshitted until midnight, and then crawled into our tents, completely spent. The following morning, Paul was the first one up again. This time, he dragged everyone out to see what happened. We all stood around still half asleep as he jabbed on about the sticks again. Now, I started thinking that he was getting up early and pulling the sticks out as a goof, making it up as like a ghost story just to freak everyone out a little bit. In fact, if that was his aim, it was working rather well, but I didn't tell him so. We hashed it out in much the same manner as the previous day before setting out for a ride. Now, that night, we all had a little too much to drink and Rich had nodded off while sitting on his quad. One by one, we had all gone into our respective tents, and whoever was last didn't bother to give Rich a shake so that he could get off the quad and go to sleep. We were fairly toasted, so nobody really took the blame. As we were crawling out of the tents and shaking off the cobwebs in the morning, I was the first to ask the others, Where's Rich? Paul said that the last time he remembered seeing him, he was sleeping on the quad. We started shouting his name and walking around in the woods, but we didn't hear anything. This was not good. Where could he have gone? And why would he have left the camp without saying something to someone? It didn't make sense. We decided that we needed to get help and fast, so Paul took the truck to get the police and left us in the camp with the quads. We kept looking while he was gone, but we didn't venture too far from the camp 
not wanting to compound the problem by making Paul come looking for us once he returned. About an hour and a half later, Paul returned with three cop cars in tow. As the morning turned to afternoon, there were more police arriving and a chopper was combing the air as well. As you would imagine, they questioned us rigorously. We were now suspects, even though we hadn't done anything. At some point, two canine units arrive. They took a piece of his clothing and his sleeping bag to let the dog scent them before sending them off into the woods. We were helping the effort by walking around and looking for anything that might give us a clue of his whereabouts. Everyone was calling out his name, and one of the cops was actually using a megaphone to amplify his call. I was wondering if he had succumbed to some type of medical condition that made him lose his capability of thinking rationally. Surely he had to have wandered away in his own. I mean, what else could have happened? I knew Alzheimer's patients to do such things. And after all, he had been drunk like the rest of us. This was turning into a full-blown search-and-rescue effort. The police told us that the chopper had infrared, so if he was lying anywhere, pick him up for sure. Several hours later, we heard that one of the canines had picked up a black riding glove. We didn't see it. We were just told that a glove had been found. One of the officers asked if he had been wearing his gloves when he was asleep on the quad, and we all agreed that he had been. They were lightweight, calfskin gloves worn more for comfort and grip on the controls than for protection. The search continued for a couple of days. Close to 100 people were involved with various search parties, and nothing more was seen or heard of him. He had vanished. It took until the following spring at the time when our softball league was starting up, for some light to be shed on the events of that fateful day. There were quite a few men's teams from the area. We played each other from time to time during the league play. On this particular day, we were playing a team comprised of some local law enforcement guys, and I immediately recognized one of those guys from that day in the woods. So I walked over to talk to him. After some small talk, I asked him if anything came in a search besides the glove. After confirming that I wouldn't share this information with anybody, he told me that the glove still had two fingers in it and that it had been torn off from the hand. I asked if there were any bite marks, but he said no. It was as though something had torn off the glove so violently that it had snatched two fingers off in the process. I asked, what the hell could tear fingers off a man like that? And he looked around to make sure nobody was listening before saying, the word is that they think it was one of the big boys. I asked him, what the hell is a big boy? He made some gestures with his body, 
which I took to mean that he was talking about a Bigfoot, a fact that he silently confirmed. We never held a funeral for Rich because there was no proof of death. They still haven't found a body, and to this day, he is just another missing person in the woods of Washington. What do you think of that, Kev? Oh, that is, you promised Creep Fest. That's Creep Fest. Yeah. I I've, mean, been up, I've been up there by Mount Rainier, too, and it is rural. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, it. it's just like, I, I don't even know what to say about that, right? It could be any group of blokes or guys and girls or family just out. It's dark, really dark in the woods. You don't know. The guy falls asleep on a quad. You know, the other guys are lumbering around. and No, and it's not a flat area either. You know, so you're out. You drank too much. You go walking around the corner. Maybe you fall in a ravine in the brush. Can't see you. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're thinking, like, what happened? What would you think happened? You know, where is this guy? Yeah, yeah. You know, did he get... Excuse me, did he get carried away? Did he wander away? You know, and nothing ever found except for this glove, which mm. was his, with two of his fingers in two it. Two of his fingers in it. Yikes. You know, so, you know, when we go back to accounts where uh, uh, we, we've spoken in depth about what it would take to take, like, the hind leg off of an elk... And I remember talking to one of our listeners who lived up in uh, Idaho. And, you know, he told me, you know, it, it just, it couldn't happen. You, you A human being could pull on the hind leg of an elk uh, from now until uh, hell freezes <laughs> over. And you're not pulling that leg off. Right. So whatever has the power to yank a leg off an animal or a human. Uh, certainly, it's no small task to pull a couple of fingers off. Right. Uh, what maybe he was fighting back, and for briefly, and just he just you know tore it off. You know who knows? No, nah, it's wild, wild. Yeah, Yee. really, really freaking wild. Super creepy. Yeah, and that's uh, that's the ultimate in creep as far as and I'm that, concerned. And that Mount Rainier, I mean, that's hairy man country. You know. Yeah. Well. You know, uh, there's no doubt about it. You know, and for our listeners, did have I spoken about the map I am now in possession of, Kev, to your recollection? I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that survival map uh, from that area of the country. From, uh, from what, the Air Force or? Yeah, yeah. the Air Force survival map. Uh, that is from that area of the United States. And in the corner of the map, amongst other things that are on it, including edible plants, poisonous plants, uh, lat, launch lines, uh, the detail is, like, ridiculous. Uh, and it's, it's done that way because it's supposed to help you live or survive, right? Right. In the one corner going down uh, are basically uh, dangerous animals. And there are pictures there with the names of the dangerous animals. Bear, wolverine, 
mountain lion, and Sasquatch. Mm-hmm. Nobody puts that on a piece of government paper. Uh, and it's not paper, by the way. Uh, nobody puts that on there unless they believe that's there and it would be a danger to a GI uh, trying to evade in the dark or you know maybe injured or whatever. They're warning you. Right. Be careful. And, uh, you know, so for people who don't think that stuff is out there, guess again. Mm. <laughs> Thousands of people aren't seeing something that doesn't exist. You know, that's crazy, though, huh, Kev? Yes, that's super creepy. Beautiful yep. area, though, beautiful mountain. You know, if you haven't seen, like, a Washington State license plate, that that image in the middle of the plate is Mount Rainier. It's a beautiful place, but... Definitely very rural and uh, very beautiful and all kinds of wildlife out there. Kev, I didn't know that. That mountain on the Washington plate yeah, is Rainier? Mount Rainier. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, so there you have it. We got a little bit of uh, Grampus, Star of Bethlehem, a little reading of a twisted Christmas poem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still happy I had the Glock in the tent. I know, I know. That's my Christmas <laughs> gift. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, All what right. do we got, Kevin, our uh, listener mail? Yeah, in our listener mail, Christmas bag of trips, tricks. We have a note from Andy from Texas. All right. And he says, gentlemen, great show, very informative and entertaining. I had a couple of theories I thought I'd run by you guys and get your opinions. First, as far as the orbs people report seeing in the woods, I believe these could be drones. You've talked before about the stealth bomber and how long it was kept a secret before being revealed to the public. This could be another example of technology that would not be revealed to us for years to come. Secondly... As far as what Bigfoot is, I don't believe it's a one-size-fits-all creature. It is What it is depends on your encounter. Some people have encounters with flesh and blood, mountain apes. Some encounter spirit or demonic entities clothed as the creature or cloaked as the creature. And some may even be genetically manipulated mountain apes that can cloak or disappear. Your thoughts, Andy? That's quite a bag of tricks. Quite a bag of tricks there, Andy. Oh, my goodness. So the glowing orbs, Bill, you know, what do you think? Could be drones, could be some kind of technology. No, I don't think think they're technology. I don't think they're drones either. I think this is something from the demonic realm. Yeah, I don't think it's technology. Yeah, yeah, not not when you're in the forest and you see these glowing orbs, you know. No, and quite a few people have seen orbs in conjunction with Bigfoot sightings, which kind of swings me back to some of these sightings. As I've said in the past, I believe they're of demonic origin. Yeah, and they're not behaving like normal things because they're not normal. They're not the living creatures. They're something else. And we've talked about this before. How does something just disappear that's on infrared, 
like it walked behind a concrete wall in the middle of the woods. I mean, a yeah. straight edge. Like, boop, now you see it. Shh, now you don't. Like, it went through a door, and you couldn't see on the other side of that door. And that's happened many, many times. That's a bizarre thing. You know what I mean? They're not in a house. You're out in the woods. It's not yeah. some... Co- it's not some concrete bunker they just slipped in the door and you didn't happen to see it out at Mount Rainier. You know, there's no bunkers out there. There's no concrete buildings to slip behind. Yep, no doubt yeah. about it. So, uh, I don't know. That's all It's all very strange. And look, man, we, we don't have the answers to these questions. You know, it's all we don't, we don't. It, it, I mean, certainly there is technology that we don't know about and it's secret and stuff like that. This particular case, I don't think that's what it is, so. Yeah, I'm with you on that. But it's yeah. good to hear from the listeners and absolutely get their opinions, you know? No doubt. No doubt. All right. The next note comes in from Warwick. And Warwick is, you know, I'm not sure where Warwick is from. But he writes, good day, Mr. Sheehan and Kevin. Well, I guess he's saying Mr. Sheehan because you're my elder, Bill. I know. I saw that. You know, I spoke to Warwick. Oh, cool. Uh, he's up in uh, British Columbia. Uh, yeah, he's, he's writing about British Columbia, so that was my guess. Uh-huh. Uh, but he says, I hope that you're well. I want to send you a summary I found that captures one of many summaries of the sightings in British Columbia. I'm in no way qualified to call myself anything more than just a rookie who wants to help out our cause. I'm going to start sending anything I find to broaden the scope of just how many sightings are either obscure or just not brought to light. I'm currently also working on the Roberts Lake photo, as it was reported, which I didn't realize. I will send you more info as I find it. Let me know if any of this is help or if I'm stuffing your mailbox with nonsense. I don't ever want to be considered a nuisance. And don't worry, Warwick, you, we will never call you a nuisance. If you see something, say something. And if you have information, especially information about anything we're talking about, put it forward. But uh, Warwick puts this list out there, Bill, going all the way back to 1864, uh, probably with about 20 different sightings on it. Um, or 20 different areas of sightings. And the thing that got me was the last one he listed was from Whistler, British Columbia. And, Bill, I just heard today that my first trip that is formally scheduled uh, in the post-COVID era, hopefully the post-COVID era, is a business trip up in Whistler in the second week of December 2021. Wow. So I'm going Bigfoot hunting with a snowboard strapped to my feet at Whistler. <laughs> and a Glock and a 12-gauge. It's Canada, so I can't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but if it yeah. wasn't Canada, correct. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, why, I wonder why they call it Whistler. <laughs> uh, but, yeah... Uh, can you imagine, Kev, if we had, we have a lot of listeners. Yeah, oh yeah. Just imagine if 2% of all listeners uh, took on the mantle of being investigators in their area and started talking to people in their sphere of influence 
are doing their diligence around where they are or where they like to go, uh, really digging into uh, Bigfoot. Could you imagine the type of information that would be uh, uncovered? Oh, no. I mean, it's and, – and they are. I, like, people out there that are listening are writing in, right? I mean, we're only talking about a fraction of the the emails that we get. So there's great stuff coming in, but you really, like, you know, you see something, especially related to our stories. I mean, I'm still blown away, Bill, by the letters we got in. Remember when we did the Iceman episode? Um, yeah. And people were writing in when they were kids that they went to see the Iceman, you know, in Minnesota <laughs> and good. in Alabama and the Sears Roebuck, you know, waiting in line to see this frozen guy. <laughs> and they said it looked just like how I had described it. I mean, how cool is that? Like, we need more of that. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. And more is coming. And yeah. like Kevin said, if you've seen something, say something. So don't be shy. Don't think what you've seen is insignificant or what you've heard. Uh, call us, contact us, and you may have a piece of a missing puzzle. You may have a missing puzzle piece. Yep. And uh, so don't ever think you can't contact us. I reach out to damn near everybody. So uh, the listeners that I've spoken to know that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. All right, the next one comes in from Roman. And Roman, he talks about the subject is Houston Batman and Springheeled Jack, one of my favorites. Uh-huh. And he says, guys, I can't help but see all the similarities and connection between the Houston Batman and Springheeled Jack. I feel like it's the same being or something hmm. that is completely related. Huh. So, you know, that's, I mean, like the spring Jack, I always stick to that theory, which is not the mainstream theory, by the way, that it's somebody who was very wealthy. That was kind of like the Bruce Wayne of the era back then in the UK. And, you know, then dressing up with some type of technology as this spring Jack. And uh, you never know, maybe the Houston Batman was something like that, too. Could be. Very bizarre. Super bizarre. Both of them are super bizarre, and of course, that's why we covered them in cryptids and other oddities. That's right. That's what it's <laughs> all about, man. specialize in the bizarre. <laughs> that's awesome. Man, good yeah. to hear from Roman, uh, Warwick, uh, all of the people. You know, it's fantastic, man. Yeah, we got one more, Bill. Go ahead. Light them up. So this is from Jeff. And I think Jeff is in West Virginia, but yeah, he is in, uh, no, Wisconsin, sorry. Okay. It was something with a W. So he writes, and this might be my favorite letter tonight, but you'll see why. Kevin. (laughs) Sundays are now my favorite. Thanks to the incredible podcast you're producing with that other guy. Name escapes me. <laughs> Jeff writes, my wife thinks my age is the reason I'm going to bed an hour earlier on Sundays now. With the covers up to my eyes and my back to the doorway, little does she know there's the earbuds hard at work. <laughs> she has no clue the encounter I'm immersed in has me sweating like a hostage with chihuahua <laughs> eyeballs and teeth chattering like a frostbitten streaker. 
<laughs> he says the show is beautiful is a beautiful blend of history, mystery, and good old fashioned creep show. And good looking men. Well, he's talking to me though, Bill. <laughs> With some good laughs sprinkled on top. I don't know if it's love or an addiction. That other guy said freaky deaky to try and describe the cryptid goodness. Probably in a Liverpool accent. It's freaky deaky. And then he said, then I had a Bee Gees moment. Glad that passed. I'm telling you, this is me speaking now. Jeff, you're a pretty funny dude. I want to have a beer with you. And he says, anyhow, the reason I wanted to connect is to see if you may be researching or planning a segment on the Glimmer Man, a.k.a. Cloaked humanoids, humanoids or the Predator. In addition to the links below, I've heard several first-hand accounts on Sasquatch Chronicles, another from the movie Missing 411, and several other tellings scattered over the last few years. Oh, pretty cool. One more thing. Those encounters that guy reads every week, I think he's talking about you, Bill, yeah, are simply amazing. I don't know which is better, the actual stories or the guy narrating them. With his <laughs> mastery of the written and spoken word, he should think about taking all those encounters and writing a book or two. I think he'd do really well. And then finally he writes, P.S., I love the warbirds and... Yeah, we. Wow. <laughs> Merry awesome. Christmas and all the best from Wisconsin. That awesome. is awesome. I mean, I wanted to end with Jeff. What a great letter. I mean, Jeff, that kind of stuff keeps us going. And yep. I'm telling you, you should be writing, Jeff, with your description of hiding out uh, an hour earlier, listening <laughs> to the podcast <laughs> with your earbuds in uh, your ears. It's fantastic. Fantastic, Kev. Absolutely a great show. Awesome stuff. And, and uh, yeah, we will look into Glimmer Man. He's on the list for sure, Jeff. Yeah, and we'll check out that other list, too, of uh, oh yeah, all those other, uh, you know, we dig into everything over time. So We uh, do, and, like, he listed uh, Phantoms and Monsters, the website, and that's where we did the uh, uh, – Chicago Mothman. A lot of the info came from that website, phantomsandmonsters.com. Cool yeah. stuff going on there. Yeah, very good. So that's a wrap, Pekev. Huh, that's it, folks. Merry Christmas. Merry and, Christmas. Uh, you know, leave us a Christmas present. How about a five-star review on the website? Thank you for all of you that gave us those five-star reviews. But most importantly, have a great, safe and Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a Happy New Year. And be safe out there, folks. Uh-oh. Absolutely. What's that noise? I hear some bells. And by the way, folks, if you should find yourself in a one-horse open sleigh this Christmas, remember, always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. <laughs> Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! <laughs>